Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is LJ Suzuki, and he is the founder and CFO of Finance and Accounting Department for Small Businesses. And as many of you have been driving around our city of Milwaukee, you've noticed that there's many, many companies and many businesses that are closing their doors and they aren't certain as to how to move forward and what to do. And of course, it just makes my, me heart sick to see so many of the businesses that have been around Milwaukee for so long. And it's not just small businesses, it's large businesses. And many of us have relied on some of the financing that has been out there. And I thought today that if LJ could give us some insight for business owners on some of the things that you can do, some of the action steps that you can do to keep your doors open and I guess even if you are in the position where your doors have to close, what are some of the steps that you can take? Because you know what I found out? An entrepreneur is an entrepreneur forever. So LJ, welcome to the show. And maybe give us a little bit of insight into your company, how you got started and how you are um, interfacing yourself with your clients and with the people in your community. Sure. Thank you for having me, uh, first of all. I have a passion for small business. I love small business. I love the energy of it. I love the creativity of it. I'm a firm believer that most of the innovation in our economy comes from small businesses, not from large corporations. Typically, the large corporations get their innovation by buying small businesses. Um, so I believe that small businesses deserve professional financial strategy, but it's very difficult for them to get professional financial strategy because they can't afford a CFO and a controller and an accountant and a bookkeeper and an analyst. And so that was why we started CFO Share is to provide a team of financial professionals to small businesses on a part-time basis so that they have affordable access to that full talent pool. It's been really interesting watching COVID-19 pan out. Uh, we've had everything in our customer base from people that have lost 100% of their revenues and they have no cash coming in, all the way to people that have tripled their revenues because they really leaned into the changes that have happened as a result of COVID-19 and have been able to monetize that into growth, as well as everything in between, those that are treading water, those that maybe did poorly in the month of August, but then recovered in the month of May. 
Um, and so through this array of experiences that I've seen, I've kind of come to figure out that, you know, like anything, it's going to be a combination of luck, but then also how you manage the change. Uh, if the government shuts down your business because you're a restaurant or a bar or some, an event center, um, there's not a whole lot that you can do. That's just really bad luck. But if you are allowed to partially operate or if you've just lost one customer segment because of the general recession that's going on, you still have choices that you can make uh, in order to change your market or change your product or service or adjust to the dynamic times uh, to lean into this to actually do pretty well. As you mentioned, Karen, we're seeing this both with small businesses but also with large businesses, take a look at companies like Google and Slack and Microsoft and Amazon that are doing great in this time because their services specifically cater to the needs of a pandemic shutdown type environment. And so as a small business owner, uh, the theme that we're probably going to be talking about a lot today is how do I take advantage of the pandemic situation, not only to sustain my business, but to actually grow my business. When I think about several years ago, almost eight years ago, I was looking at and putting in place transitioning my daughter over to my business and as the president of the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And all I kept thinking was, I don't want her to change it. I want it to stay the same. I don't want her to change it because, you know, we we love our baby. We started that baby and we don't want anyone to change the clothes. And I think with a lot what happened with pandemic is it was very hard for entrepreneurs and business owners to shake off that fear of changing it and being able to lean into, as you said, doing something unique or doing something different. And mm -hmm. how can people, how can business owners make that transition easier and be limber and be able to do it in a timely fashion where it matters? Because three months after, after the idea came about, it might be too late. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a classic situation where like somebody moved the cheese. Right. And so we have to figure out like where the cheese moved to uh, the way that I like to think of it is, you know, wipe your mind of your conceptions about what your business used to be and redo your entire business plan from scratch. Now, but think of it this way, even though that sounds really challenging to think like I have to redo my entire business plan or my entire business. Think about when you started your business. And Karen, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your business is or was. Um, but I'm willing to bet that when it originally began, it was just you and you probably had a small pool of money and you needed to like turn that into something, whether it was pitching investors for more money or hiring staff and you know selling something in order to get momentum. It's a very slow, long, arduous process. It takes years for lots of entrepreneurs. Well, right now we have teams we have some cash reserves, some people more, some people less, but the PPP has given us some cash reserves and we already have a customer database, right? So we're actually starting a business with a lot more resources now than, than we used to have. Um, and so when you look at it from that perspective, this is actually a really interesting opportunity that a lot of people have uh, in order to make something great with the momentum that they've gained from the history of their business. When you look at business owners and you talk with them today, what are some of the hurdles that they are facing that is preventing them from doing exactly what you're saying? Yeah, well, you know, everybody focuses on cash, right? Especially when they're talking to a financial professional like me. 
Um, and you know, like, just like in a marriage, right? Like everyone fights about money, but it's not actually money that you're fighting about. It's the same in a business, right? Everyone thinks about cash, but it's not necessarily cash. That's the issue. It could be that, you know, you don't have a, a good market anymore that your market has dried up or that it's moved, or it could be that you have too much staff and you have to perform some layoffs. You know, one nice thing that the PPP did is it gave us all not only an excuse, but an incentive to avoid reduction in force for as long as possible. Well, a lot of us have gotten to the end of that, you know, 10 weeks worth of cash that the government gave us. And now we have to start making some hard decisions. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you perform a reduction in force or you do furloughs or layoffs. Um, that's just kind of part of business. Uh, but it is a very difficult decision to make. So I think a lot of people, when they're talking about cash, they're really talking about these hard issues that they have to face. Do I need to reduce my force? Do I need to change my marketing tactics? Is my sales team, which maybe was really good in the pre-pandemic world, are they not suited for the post-pandemic world? Do I need to change my tactics or change the people that are on that sales force? And those are all tough decisions to make, um, but they're decisions that we as entrepreneurs have to ask ourselves and we have to come up with answers to. So let's talk about, you mentioned the PP funds and that they are, running out at this point and people perhaps use them up. What are some of the other things that businesses can do to still get financial assistance or to help them stay afloat? Yeah. Yeah. So there's still a lot of programs that are out there. I've noticed in the last six weeks, a lot of local municipalities have been finally rolling out their programs. They, they didn't move as fast as the federal government initially, but now your local county, or your local city might have something available specifically for small businesses to try to help keep you afloat. So that's always a good place to look. And if you're not sure um, whether they do or not, check out the website of your local chamber of commerce or of your state office of economic development. Those are really good resources to see what's available. The other program that a lot of people haven't been paying a lot of attention to is the fed main street lending program. And it's not talked about a lot because uh, first of all, it tends to be like more of the larger size, small businesses that are eligible for that. And also a lot of banks aren't really participating in that program. But if you were earning, say, you know, 100 to up to a half million dollars in EBITDA um, last year, you know, there's a good chance that you're eligible for that program and you can get some really compelling loans through that program. That's really very interesting. And what are some of the things that people have to consider? Maybe we can talk about that to make sure that their loans are forgiven. So why don't we take a break and when we come back, take a look at that. My guest today is LJ Suzuki and he is the founder of CFO Shares, which is an outsourced finance and accounting department for small businesses, which we will explore in more depth in the future conversation. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is LJ Suzuki, and he is the founder of CFO Share, which is an outsourced finance and accounting department for small businesses. And I absolutely can identify with this because when I did start my company, which is 25 years ago, it was myself, my daughter, my mother on the phones and one other person. And I remember the shock of coming out of a big organization and starting my own company and wondering, 
who is going to do all these things that were done before? And uh, so I know that at that time, there wasn't an organization that kind of bundled everything. And I had to start with a variety of different people. And as my business grew, I changed out and got different people and had to grow. So I think um, as later in the conversation, LJ, that we talk about the company and what you do, it really is a good resource for individuals who are entrepreneurs. And I don't know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs and like me, I am not a detail person. (laughs) I'm the idea person. And, you know, my daughter always says that um, she's the break and I'm the gas. And uh, that's kind of the way it is. But before we took the break, we, we talked about the PPP. And of course, a lot of people are really a little bit confused with how it's actually going to unfold. But I think most everybody is hoping that their loans would be forgiven. Yeah. And, and this has been the topic of conversation for almost every small business owner for the last three months is the PPP. How do I get as much of it as I can? Then how do I make sure that it get, all gets forgiven? And it's, it's haunting people in almost every decision that they're making. Should I hire? Should I fire? Should I cut salaries? It's all being affected by the PPP. Uh, what I like to tell people first and foremost is regardless of your funding, right? There's no replacement for good financial strategy in your business right? So don't bend your business over backwards, trying to achieve 100% loan forgiveness or do wonky things like keep bad employees on payroll because you're trying to achieve 100. That doesn't make any sense. And this is actually a really good time to, if you do have to clean house, to clean house. (laughs) It's a a good time to trim the fat. It's also a great time to get good talent, right? There's been a lot of good talent that they got laid off or the company folded or whatever, and they're out there and available right now. And so if, if you're growing and you can afford to hire, it's a really good time to be recruiting. But let's not focus on that segment so much because they're usually doing okay. Um, we'll focus more on the people that are more cash constrained. Uh, the PPP forgiveness is very complex. There's a lot of components to it. I've actually compared um, filing the forgiveness application to the complexity of some tax returns for, for many companies. It, it's, a, it's quite a bit of work, um, but at a high level, uh, here's what you need to know, right? You get rewarded for paying out payroll wages, you get punished for laying people off, and you get punished for uh, reducing wages. And that can sneak up on you in a number of different ways. Um, So we already talked about if you have an underperforming staff, one thing to be aware of is they did make a provision where if you fire someone for cause, then that doesn't count against you. But you need to document that. You need to make sure that your paperwork is all in order. Another place where I see people kind of getting caught up is if you have a salesperson that earns most of their compensation or significant portion off of commissions, So maybe you didn't reduce their salary, but just as a fact of they're not selling as much, they have a lower amount of compensation versus the same time period last year. So there's a lot of weird tricks and gotchas and things like that. My recommendation is, you know, work with somebody that understands the ins and outs of this. It could be your CPA, it could be your bookkeeper on staff, or it could be an organization like ours. Do a forgiveness forecast see if there's any easy wins for you to get more. And then 
move on with life because you can't get too hung up on PPP loan forgiveness and sacrifice the rest of your business as a result. When you talk about um, filling out the forms and talking with people, maybe your CPA, what I'm finding is most people can't, they can't, they can't dig through all the paperwork and all the nuances. And it's very difficult to find people who are really, I want to say experts in looking at how it might affect your business. It seems everything out there is just blanketed as if everybody's a one size fits all and it's not. Yeah. And it's actually funny. Um, just yesterday, the uh, AICPA, which is the, the national CPA organization, released a free forgiveness loan estimator uh, on their website. And I went to it to see how good it was. And, uh, and there was an error on the website and it wasn't working. And I just <laughs> thought like, oh, that's so, that's so typical for a PPP thing. <laughs> that's what we've been seeing this entire time. Um, it's very confusing. And, you know, every time Congress gets together and passes a bill, the rules change again. So how can you, how can you plan for something like that? Um, so if, if you don't have resources available, first of all, you know, stop by our website, cfoshare.org. We have some blog articles posted about it. You can, you can check on the information there. But if you really find that you've got no resources available to you, here's what you do need to know, okay? You don't even need to think about applying for forgiveness until January 1st of 2020. On 1231 of 2020, excuse me, January 1st of 2021. So on 1231 of 2020, uh, that's one of like the deadlines for um, understanding your FTE and your wage reduction bonus. So, so in many ways, like you can't even file for forgiveness until you get to January. So you've got five months from now uh, before this really needs to concern you. So spend those five months working on rebuilding your business. Then the other thing to keep in mind is even if you don't get full forgiveness, it becomes a 1% APR loan over five years. It's some of the cheapest financing that's available. And even if we didn't have a PPP program, if at the beginning of COVID, I offered you a 1% non-recourse loan over five years, you probably would have taken it. Uh, so keep that in mind. Worst case scenario, you have a very low interest loan. I think a lot of people that I've talked to have said, I'm just trying and working so hard to keep things going. I don't have time to spend filling out all the paperwork and figuring out. That's also been a difficulty for entrepreneurs and small business owners, just trying to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. That's a classic struggle with small businesses, right? I mean, you're wearing the HR hat, the operations hat, the sales hat. You're, you're trying to do everything all at once. And during COVID, and if you've just done layoffs and reduced your force, that becomes even more so the case than before. Uh, it's a challenge, right? And so how do you deal with that challenge? You have to prioritize and you have to let some things go and just realize that as a small business, you can't get it all perfect. But I mean, the large businesses, they don't get it all perfect either, right? So like be kind to ourselves and, and realize that if we're getting 80% of the way there, we're doing better than most people. <laughs> when I look and I drive around our local areas, there are so many um, businesses that have already gone shops are closed. That is a real difficulty for a lot of people, but it could be an opportunity for others because mm -hmm. eventually those storefronts are going to be filled and those restaurants would be filled and businesses will continue going on. How does a, a, a new fresh entrepreneur or someone who is thinking that 
in order to shift their business, they have to almost start over. How do they approach this type of a market? Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Karen, because in my opinion, this is a great time to start a business, right? Think about this, all right? So there's a lot of open space out there, whether it's you know storefront space or really great talent that's currently unemployed. You know, there's a lot of resources available and funding is extremely cheap right now, right? Interest rates are at an all-time low. Now, granted, you have to have you know, pretty decent credit. You have to issue a personal guarantee and maybe put up you know, some other things on your personal balance sheet to make that available. But if you have those resources available, if you have the connections and you have the idea, it's a great time to start a business or it's also a great time to buy a business. There's a lot of companies out there that are distressed right now because before COVID-19, they were unhealthy financially. Maybe they took out too many loans, right? Or maybe, you know, the owner has been running it one way for 20 years and kind of fell asleep at the wheel. This happens all the time. Think about all the baby boomers out there right now that were planning to retire in the next two years and are now thinking, you know what, like the turnaround's probably not going to happen. I'm ready to just call this quits and let somebody with more energy go after it. So I think it's a great time to be out there as an entrepreneur, as a buyer, whether it's for reinventing your own business or for buying a new business or for starting a new business. My guest today is LJ Suzuki. He is a founder of CFO Share, which is an outsourced finance and accounting department for small businesses. They deal with financial strategies. You know, what is the cost that you're paying for your growth, forecasting your business, budgeting and incentive planning, which are all really important and things that most um, entrepreneurs starting out really don't even know how to begin to do it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we do know, and you talked about people focusing on money and thinking that money is the only issue. I always say that it's never about the grapes. It's always about something else. But the truth of the matter is one of the main reasons that most people, most businesses fail is their cash flow. And so Mm -hmm. when we come back, let's talk about some of the services that are important and some of the things that you talked a little bit earlier about someone really either wanting to reinvent, to maintain their business, to have some strategies. And maybe we can talk about some of the things that they can be looking at and how to implement them. Um, Because of course, it's always better late than ever. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. We're talking really today about so many of the things that I've experienced as I transitioned my business. And my guest today is LJ Suzuki, and he is the founder of CFO Share, which does outsourcing, financing, accounting, and um, help small businesses to become successful and stay successful. But, you know, saying it's so funny, you know, once once you start a business and you are the sort of the parent and the founding parent of that business, you always think of it as, as your business. And as you transition and the importance of transitioning to qualified people who are going to maintain that business, I know is something that is an important thing to start and to think about right from the beginning. And I wish that I had known someone that worked with companies such as you, because after about 20 years or 15 years of being in business, some one of the attorneys I talked to said, well, right from the beginning, you should start creating your business as if you're going to sell it. 
and mm-hmm. as if somebody's going to come in and look at your books and if somebody's going to come in and think about it every decision you make think about how how the importance it is in the big picture not the small picture and i think very often particularly with something like covid and some of the other difficulties that we have had to go through 9/11 and 2008 we get stuck in looking at the small picture and not keeping our eye on the big picture. So what are some of the things, LJ, that people can do right now today to um, strategize for uh, a future, a brighter future than we know now? Because right now it's very difficult. There are so many things in place or not in place that it's hard to know what direction we're moving in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, in, in, our world, we like to think of tactical items and strategic items, right? And so a tactical item, for example, is a 13-week cash flow forecast that you use when you have less than three months of cash left and you're trying to avoid um, a liquidation crisis, right? Uh, Move into, let's talk about the strategic items, okay? Because even when you're in a cash crisis, you still need to be thinking strategically. Uh, I always like to quote uh, Stephen Covey in in seven habits, right? Where he says, begin with the end in mind, doesn't do you any good to climb the ladder if you're on the wrong ladder, right? Or if the ladder's set up against the wrong wall. Um, And so that's what strategy is. And Karen, you said it best, right? Like begin with the end in mind, think about an exit strategy and run your business, keeping that in mind the entire time. Um, This is, I think one of the keys that a lot of people don't think about, I would say roughly half of the new clients that we see coming in when we ask them, what's your exit strategy? They don't have an answer for that. Uh, they say, well, maybe I'll keep running it for 10 years. Maybe I'll sell it in three years. I'm not really sure. You don't have to be 100% positive what you're gonna do, because obviously we don't know what the future holds, but you need to have a pretty strong idea about where you want to take it. And too often people make up their mind and then say, okay, like I wanna sell the business. Can we get that done next month? And unfortunately, preparing your business for sale often takes years of preparation, whether that's, you know, planting seeds with strategic acquirers and forming partnerships, or even just something as simple as cleaning up your books and getting that ready for sale. So that's something that, that we'd like to help customers out at any level of engagement, whether they're ready to sell or whether they just joined us and they're just starting their business from the get-go. Taking a step back from that, I think there's, you know, four fundamental elements of financial management that every company needs to do. The first we're pretty familiar with, that's accounting and bookkeeping, right? So that's running your QuickBooks or your Xero, just tracking your financials. And that's like the minimum that you need in order to file your taxes every year. That, that's kind of like when people are at ground state zero, they're at least doing that, even if it means they're doing it relatively poorly. Um, There's different levels of quality of that, of course, and the higher quality your books, first of all, the easier it is to sell your business, but more importantly, the more insight you get about managing your business, which allows you to um, uh, perform better and grow faster. Number two, the thing that keeps every business owner at night is trying to figure out if and when they're gonna run out of cash and whether or not their business will survive. And that concern is addressed by forecasting People do different levels of forecasting. Sometimes it's as simple as just forecasting your cash. Uh, sometimes it's advanced as you know, planning out five years, 10 years worth of fu- full financials, headcount models, all that type of thing. What is the right one for your business will depend 
partially on your exit strategy, partially on the stage of growth that you're in. Um, and so making sure that you're not over-investing or under-investing in your forecasting and then developing the right level of forecasting, that's another thing that, that we step in and help companies with once they have that first base bookkeeping level taken care of. Third item is budgeting. And budgeting is a very special type of forecasting. Um, it's planning for 12 months out. And the key thing that I always highlight here about budgeting is there's a common misconception that you build a budget and then you have to stick to it, right? And for our personal budgets, that's usually like what we think about in our personal lives. Like I got to stick to my budget. With a business budget, it's not that you need to bend the business to stick to it, but you make the budget so that you have a plan and then you understand how reality is departing from that plan. And that makes it easier for you to understand what's happening to the business on an ongoing basis versus what you anticipated would happen to the business. Measuring that gap is the fourth element, and that's what we call variance analysis. Budget versus actual variance analysis or projected versus actual variance analysis. So that's where we compare level zero bookkeeping against level three, uh, the budget, and understand like what was that gap. And through that understanding, we learn more about our business and about the right way to manage our business. The one thing that came to mind when you were talking about being so um, specific on these four different elements is that also I think always that filters through that is your value system and, and making sure that the decisions that you're making because things are hard right now, don't take you away from the values and why you started that business. And that can happen so easily that you get sidetracked because you're trying to make a go of it. And so I think that's a deep piece that to start with is why you started the business, what you ultimately wanted to accomplish and not to let go of your values. Absolutely. You know, financial management is one element of your business and it touches every other element and supports every other element, but it can't stand on its own, right? You can't just make money. You make money because you have values, because those core values guide your decisions. They act as tiebreakers for you. And during these times of crisis, those core values will guide you as to how you need to adjust your business and how you would improve your financial performance. Uh, there's, there's absolutely no replacement for that level of, of governance and guidance and strategy. We're going to take our last break. And this has been a wonderful interview, LJ, who is the founder of CFO Share. They are a company that is uh, outsources for business owners and helps them with their finance, their accounting. You talked about forecasting, which I think is so important, budgeting. And I learned from working with my individual clients that I don't talk about budgeting anymore. I talk about cash flow because people really do understand how companies work. And if you start looking at your own finances as your company, your personal business, and you have all the people that you're talking about, the outsourcing of having good advisors, um, treating your own personal finances like a business is, is really important. And I think people can really understand that. You can't win the race unless you're in it. Mm -hmm. I think John Wooden said that. So you've got to be in it. And let's talk about people still sticking in this race so that they can win it. You can't be on the sidelines walking, watching and, and, and hoping. And as a leader, you've got to be walking your talk. And so 
getting the people to stay with you and to stay in that game so that you ultimately can be a winner. And everybody wants to be with a winner. And with that, we'll be back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the senior wealth advisor and the founder of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And we are doing these shows today on COVID as we talk about conversations that really matter. And as I saw what was happening with the news media and it was so difficult to determine, you know, how does this, how does this really land on me? How can I do something different? My hope was to interview a variety of different guests that could give us insight into some of the issues that are really before us that are difficult to understand. And today my guest is LJ Suzuki and he is the founder of CFO Share, which is an outsource company for business owners on finance, accounting, and a variety of issues that affect all of us. And as I said last time, that um, you can't win the race if you're not in it. And that is not only for us as business owners, but also for our employees who are the really who are backing us up and who are making everything happen. So what are the things, LJ, that people can really be looking at and how do they use your resources to get back in that race and run hard? Right. So I think the first thing we have to just discuss at a very high level is that money in general and financials in general, it's a system based on trust and confidence, right? If we didn't have confidence in the federal government, all of our paper greenbacks would be worthless, right? Um, and when we go through a global economic recession, it's because our trust in the system has been shattered. That same theme plays out for you personally and for you and your business organization, right? When an organization begins to flounder, it's because the employees lose trust in the organization. They lose faith in it because your customers lose trust in the organization or because you as the business owner lose confidence in yourself. So the first thing that we have to realize is that psychologically, in order for us to be financially successful, we need to be confident in ourselves and we need to have that confidence to share with our team and with our customers in order to move forward. And that can be a really tough hurdle to, to get over. It doesn't matter how many you know, forecasts or budgets I make for you. If you can't get there in your own head, you're not going to be able to get there yourself. But there are ways that you can give yourself the support to help yourself get there. One of the key ones is to make sure that you have a financial professional available as a resource for you during these hard times. That could be a business advisor. It could be a professional mentor. It could be your accountant. It could be somebody on your staff, or it could be an organization like ours, CFO Share. But no matter what, you need to have access to that person, and you need to use them during these times. Now, I'm a financial professional of many, many years, but I'll tell you during COVID, I was emailing my board on an almost weekly basis, talking about how our business was changing and pivoting and the ways that we were trying to adjust to it to get their critiques and their feedback because it's through that support that I was able to make decisions with, with confidence and allow us to grow through COVID-19. So every business owner should be doing the same. Lean on your resources, have those people lined up, and use the tools available to you that those financial professionals provide to you, whether that's a forecast, whether that's a budget, or whether that's just a consultation um, in order to assure you that you're moving in the right direction. 
You know, LJ, that's a really great point when you said that people should be able to count on their advisors and their advisors should be there. I, I think that this has been a great time to determine who's on your bus. Mm -hmm. And if your advisors have been available to you, have they been willing to talk to you? Have they been willing to support you? Have they been there for you during this whole time? Has the conversation been open? And this is probably the first time in the world where I think at one time, each and every one of us thought, could I die? Could I get sick? What would be the impact on my family? What would be the impact on my business? And this is one of the first times that you've had time to really think about, I called so-and-so and they didn't call me back. They weren't there. They're maybe not a good partner. And it's a good time to get the partners in place because we often think about our legacy and we think about it often in terms of the money that's gonna be passed. But what most people don't realize, whether it's a business or it's your family, that part of your legacy is the advisors that go with that. And are they the right tax people? Are they the people that are going to take care of and guide your business, guide your family through all the emotional ups and downs that happen? Because a lot of people died during this COVID and a lot of them were business owners. They were you know, the heads of their families and somebody had to deal with all of that. And I think mm -hmm. that also talking about the fact, making sure that you've got your estate planning documents in place, your trust, your powers of attorney for healthcare and finances. This, is a, this has been a really big wake up call for us to know that we need to put those things in place, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we love. And I know I love my employees and I'm responsible for a lot of families. And I want to make sure that they're also responsible for their families and that I can help them. So that's another big piece to look at is what would happen in the event that something happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me take that same idea and reframe it even a little bit. Uh, if you asked an employee to come into work and they never answered the phone, never came in and then never gave you an excuse as to why, would you tolerate that from them? Probably not. You'd probably discipline them. And if they did it, you know, one or two more times, you'd end up firing them. So why do we accept that from, you know, our professional contractors, our, our partners, our advisors, people like that? The number one reason we get for companies moving from an existing like bookkeeping or accounting relationship in particular to us is lack of responsiveness. They never mm -hmm. answer my emails. I never know what's going on with my books. They never give me any information. They just kind of throw reports over to us. Um, and these are all like, these are really critical partnerships. And these are partnerships that if anything, they should be outperforming an employee relationship because they're contractors, right? They should be like waiting on you hand and foot. Um, so I think this is absolutely right, Karen. Like you need to take stock, not just of, you know, your internal resources and your customers and your assets and things like that, but also your partnerships, your advisors, your mentors, all of those resources that are available to you as an entrepreneur, because as you said, you never know, you know, how long it's going to, it's going to last. Well, you had said something earlier. Um, we had talked about, um, or I had mentioned the cost of growth of your company. And very often when people come in to us, we'll ask them, do you know what the cost on your portfolio is? Do you know what your internal expenses are? Do you know what you're paying? And they rarely know. 
what the cost mm -hmm. of their growth of their investments are. And I think the same thing is true a lot for business. They don't know what the cost of doing business is, where their cost centers are and what they're paying for that. And I think that that's a really important piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't discredit for entrep entrepreneurs for not knowing that. It's not something they teach you in MBA school. It's, you know, I got a master's in finance. And even in, in those, those classes, they didn't necessarily teach me that, right? It's something that you learn through years of experience being a financial professional. Um, but it's, it's a key thing, right? If you want to double your business size, how much cash is that going to take from the organization? How long is it going to take for you to get there? Those are key elements to planning anything. And it's something that I wouldn't expect a normal entrepreneur to be able to answer on their own. These are why you have advisors so that you can lean on that expertise. So LJ, can you give our listeners information as to how they can contact you and your resources? I know that you have a blog. Uh, and if they do have a question, you know, the best way of, of getting in touch with you. Absolutely. So I'm happy to speak to any entrepreneur about their business just to mm -hmm. learn about them and see if there's any way that we can help. You can reach us at cfoshare.org. That's C-F-O-S-H-A-R-E.org. On there, we do have a blog where we have lots of articles where we talk about the right way to do budgeting, the right way to do forecasting, what is cost of growth, how do you get PPP loan forgiveness. Those are available and free for the public as resources. You can also book a time on my calendar or on anybody on my team's calendar in order to get a free business consultation and learn a little bit more about you. And who is your typical business person that comes to you? What does that client look like? Yeah, we deal mostly with closely held small businesses, whether that's family-owned, individual-owned partnerships. We also deal with private equity-owned small businesses, and we deal with venture-backed startups. Uh, generally speaking, anywhere from $1 million to $50 million in revenue, with exceptions on both sides, of course. And so we only have a few minutes, a minute maybe left. What would, be, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? So the one thing I want to say again, actually two things I want to say again, number one, there's opportunity out there. The opportunity has moved, but it's there. And so if you can pivot your business and lean into that opportunity, this is a time period where you can actually experience growth. Number two, lean on your advisors, lean on your resources. Nobody is smart enough to figure this whole thing out by themselves. It's only as a team working together as a team that you're going to be successful in this crisis. And I do believe that we can all get through this and be successful in this crisis. My guest today is LJ Suzuki. He is the founder of CFO Share. And again, they do outsourcing for finance and accounting, financial strategies, help you with your forecast, um, incentives, budgeting, and all of the things that are tough to wrap your arms around when you're um, have so many balls in the air. And I really appreciate the conversation today. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to the show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 
or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.